0: You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Terror, doom, <laughs> tribulation. When you hear the words, the book of Revelation, what, what what words come to mind? What images come to mind? I know for a lot of folks, it's, it's kind of scary, doom and gloom, uh, Tribulation, terrible type stuff that come to mind whenever we hear or think about the Book of Revelation. Uh, you know, and, and so we're gonna we're gonna jump into this, and 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 you know, from the beginning of of uh, awakened church, this church plant that we have here in in, in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Uh, folks that have been a part of the uh, the team or part of the church family from the very beginning, young adults and college students, and even Christians that have been been Christians for a while, have all all along the way said, "You know, Pastor Steve, please, please do a sermon series on Revelation. Would you please teach us on on Revelation because it's so confusing and we feel like nobody really nobody really has the right answers." And um, so we we're not going to start with, "Hey, we've got all the answers." What we're going to start is with is, "Hey, we want to seek." we want to seek answers but what we want to do is try to be true to what this what this is which the kind of the feeling we get when we hear the term "Book of Revelation" doesn't help because it's actually not even a book; it's an ancient letter. And so, as we begin the series "Revelation: Living in the Apocalypse," that's that's our title that we're going with, and that'll make more sense in just a minute. Our goal isn't to answer every question we have, but to discover that we have tools to seek and find answers, and to 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 be able to seek for ourselves and discover the the answers that the of all the questions that revelation brings up for us. So some of the things that will help us over the next five weeks as we journey through revelation together is, the, uh, to, is to think about this. Part of the trouble with understanding revelation and the rest of the Bible really is that we want to read our own in the ideas into what is already written. See, see, we're not going to make an attempt to 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 use the Bible to back up our beliefs, and that's what a lot of people do with Revelation. They've already decided what they believe Revelation is and what it's about, and so whenever they 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 read from Revelation, they try to back up what they already believe with the words of this ancient letter. So we're not going to do that. We're, we we want to we want to seek to hear what the Bible has to say. We want to seek what the Scripture says for itself. So we're not going to use any charts and graphs and and we 're certainly not going to be trying to answer the question, "Who is the Antichrist?" because spoiler alert, the Antichrist is not even mentioned in revelation. Revelation relies heavily on symbolic language so it so it's difficult to understand and we we, are, we just want to be you know completely honest about that so this also makes it uh, different from the rest of the bible even the books of prophecy like that are in uh, we find in the old testament because revelation is not really a, a, a prophecy like isaiah is a prophecy but a type of literature called apocalyptic which we get the word apocalypse right and so we're living in this apocalypse this comes from this greek word apocalypsis which means revealed apocalypse doesn't mean end of the world apocalypse means full disclosure and so we're living in the revelation we're living in the full disclosure, and the full disclosure is this. God's plan is Jesus, and he wants to reveal this to us and through us. So let's begin with chapter 1, Revelation. This is the revelation from Jesus Christ, who, gave, uh, who God gave him to show his servants and events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who is faithfully reporting, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things for first, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to Him who loves us and has freed us from His our sins by the shedding of His blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God His Father. All glory and power to Him for ever and ever. Amen. Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for Him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God, and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. And suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in this book, write in a book, <laughs> everything you see, and send it to the seven churches and in in, in cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And when I "'turned to see who was speaking to me, "'I saw seven gold lampstands, "'and standing in the middle of the lampstands "'was someone like the Son of Man.' He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now next week we're going to read the actual specific message to each one of the seven churches, and we'll be in chapters 2 and 3. But today we're going to dig a little deeper here with, with Revelation 1, with this big idea. Revelation is a letter about God's love for us revealed in Jesus. That helps us with the understanding of what Revelation is all about. Instead of using the terms the book of Revelation, let's realize what this is. Uh, Revelation is a letter. It's a love letter. A letter about God's love for us revealed in Jesus. But it was written to a spe- in a specific context in history, and so we all so we want to do that. we'll start with what did this letter say to the original audience and then we can ask what are the eternal principles for us today instead of starting with what does revelation say to us about today let's let's start with the fact that it was written to a specific audience, a specific group of people, and then just begin to understand that. Find the eternal principles that we can say, what are those for us today? Now, verse 1 says, This is to show Jesus' followers the events that must soon take place. And then verse 3 echoes, for the time is near. See, today people want to read Revelation in the context of of 2021 and what happens after 2021 and and, and just start there and stay there. But sound Bible study principle for us in understanding the symbolism in Revelation is to first examine its original context and original audience. So who was this letter written to? Well, it was written to uh, seven specific churches in an area uh, called Asia Minor. At that time. Now, it was written by John, who was a disciple of Jesus. He was imprisoned on Patmos Island, which we just read. He talked about that in in his intro to this letter is written to the church he spent most of his ministry in and that's in ephesus see we know that church history shows us that john the disciple of jesus spent most of his ministry time uh, uh, serving there in ephesus so his home church along with six other churches on the western end of what we now know as the nation of turkey then it was called asia minor but now it's the 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 same region same area is, is this western end of the nation we call turkey they believed Jesus was the Messiah. It's written to people who, who believed Jesus is the Messiah. They, uh, they, they, had, uh, they had great persecution from, from the Jewish temple authorities. This is written to people who were under great persecution. Yet they refused the idea that the Old Covenant held any, any hold over them. They didn't refuse that the Old Covenant was important. They didn't say, let do away with the Old Testament and do away with the, the prophets and the, and the, and the Torah. They, didn't, they weren't teaching that. But what they did believe, that, that the Old Covenant didn't have a hold on them because they were now in the grasp of a new covenant in Jesus Christ, a covenant of freedom, a covenant of eternal life. These, these folks lived in a specific time in history. They were under the reign of the Roman Empire. And this was a dark time for the church. Uh, around this time, we're going to find that 64 AD, which is the context in which this is written in, Nero ordered that Christians be put to death There was, you know, by beheading. This is, this is history, and we need to understand some history to understand what Revelation is all about. Everyone in the empire must acknowledge that Caesar is lord and king. That's how they did business. In order to trade, you had to be willing to acknowledge and say, Caesar is king. Hail Caesar. Caesar is king. Caesar is lord. These people that this was originally written to had a great understanding of what we call the Old Testament. See, Revelation is full of of language related to the tabernacle. Revelation is full of language related to to the, to Bo- Old Testament books like Daniel and Zechariah. And when we don't really fully understand the tabernacle or Daniel or Zechariah because we haven't really spent a lot of time learning about the Old Testament, then we don't have the same understanding of the symbols that the folks originally reading this would have. Too often the symbols in revelation are interpreted as meaning something other than what the letter's actually about. So we're going to stick with what, what the revelation is really about. What did the revelation reveal? What was the revelation and what and what does the revelation reveal? So there, there's, a, there's so much we can learn and apply from this love letter to our lives today. So here's what the revelation revealed and what it reveals. It's all about Jesus. It reveals Jesus. Jesus is the subject. Now, if we look up the word subject in your dictionary, or just do what I did and go on dictionary.com and look it up, then that that subject is a noun, right? And here's what a subject is. That which forms a basic matter of thought, discussion, investigation, etc. A second definition of subject is a motive, cause, or grounds, And a third definition is, a subject is the theme of a sermon, book, or story, etc. And so, when when we think about Jesus as the subject, what we're saying is, Revelation helps us to see that Jesus is that which forms a basic matter of thought, discussion, and investigation. Jesus is a, a motive, cause, and ground in which we stand on. Jesus is the theme of this sermon. Jesus is the theme of this book or this collection of books called the Bible. Jesus is the theme of this letter called Revelation. Jesus is the theme of the story. Jesus is the subject. So what does it mean for us that Jesus is the subject? Verse 1 says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, this is what is revealed in Jesus. When we look at Jesus and when we live with Jesus, and this is what he reveals. The point of the revelation is to see Jesus for who he really is and to realize the implications that Jesus is the supreme ruler. That, that's one of the things Revelation is saying to, to the original readers, but also we need to understand this. Jesus is the supreme ruler, not Caesar. Jesus is the supreme ruler, not the empire, not the Jewish high priest, not any other human ruler. Jesus is the supreme ruler. So if Jesus is the subject, what does it mean? God loves us. That's what it means. Revelation is about God loves us. Wait, wait, what? What? Because isn't Revelation supposed to be about judgment and terror and tribulation? And we'll get to that. We'll get to all that. But where do we begin we begin at the beginning, and verse 5 says, All glory to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by shedding His blood for us. Underline that. Circle that. Highlight it. Bookmark it. That's what this is about. Many who many had the, the wrong idea about God, thinking that, that God... You know, God's displeased with us, he's just God is just angry, he's he's waiting for a chance to smite us, smite us, oh smiter, right? Or he's worried that someone somewhere is having a good time. There's a lot of folks that have that that concept of God. God is God is just making sure nobody's having a good time anywhere. And this is not the God of the Bible. John three sixteen reveals it to us. This is probably the most popular famous verse of scripture of of all. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. There is no judgment awaiting those who trust him, but those who do not trust him have already been judged for not believing in the only son of God. You see, God created us out of his love. Yes, yeah, Scripture has something to say about sin and God's judgment, but the underlying reality is that God loves us. And when Jesus is the subject of our lives, we experience that in the in, in the reality that he died for us and frees us from our sins. That's how we experience his love. So Jesus is the subject. Revelation also reveals that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now, now imagine you're married, and maybe you are. I, I am. But, but if you're married, imagine only acting as if you're married one day a week, like six days a week, you act like a single person, (laughs) but one day a week, you only one day a week you act married. That's not going to work. Is it? Or imagine you're a parent and you, and you only act like it one day a week, like six days a week. You, you act like you have no kids. (laughs) Now imagine you have a job and you just kind of show up once in a while. That's silly, isn't it? Silly to think that uh, that any relationship is going to work this way. That a marriage marriage can't work that way. Being a parent can't work that way. Having a job can't work that way. It's silly. So how can we possibly say Jesus is Lord if we treat Him the same way? And just eh, one day I'll give you some time. In verse six, Jesus. It says that Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests for God the Father. Now, if, if, if we're a kingdom, we, Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests, if we're a kingdom, who's the king? Jesus. Jesus is the king. Jesus is Lord. In the context of Revelation, claiming Jesus is Lord is a direct violation of the law put in place by Caesar Nero that everyone in the empire must say Caesar is Lord. In order to do business, in order to conduct business, you have to say Hail Caesar. Caesar is Lord. Let's see if we can draw a distinction. Jesus died and came back to life. Somebody say resurrection? (laughs) Caesar died. There's a difference here. and This is what john was encouraging the followers of jesus with jesus is is not caesar and caesar is certainly not lord so if jesus is lord surely that must mean something more than words jesus is lord since jesus lives and and jesus is lord we realize it's not about jesus oh jesus will be lord jesus will reign jesus is lord jesus is reigning we need to understand the kingdom of God is about a present reality. Some say Jesus will establish his kingdom or won't establish his kingdom until he returns. However, when we study the New Testament, we find that, that it says that the kingdom is now here. Being a kingdom of priests is about now. Jesus said about it himself in Mark 9 verse 1, I assure you that some of you standing here right now will not die before you see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. And in Luke 17, verse 20, it says one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God isn't ushered in with visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is among you. Jesus made us the kingdom. We are a kingdom of priests. We are God's representatives and responsible to minister on God's behalf. The point of the love letter of Revelation is to encourage followers of Jesus to live as a kingdom of priests in the midst of struggle. We know about living in the midst of struggle. We are to be a kingdom of priests in the midst of the struggle. To, be, to, to persevere and become more like Jesus in the midst of the struggle. But what is a kingdom of priests? And and so, priest is very specific here. And again, in, we need to have an understanding, a, a better understanding of kind of the Old Testament idea of what a priest was and what the priest did. Because we're a kingdom of priests, I think it's, it's very specific. The priest, one thing they did was minister in the tabernacle or the temple. Now, we have an understanding that the church is now not a place, but people. So, so, A kingdom of priests, as a kingdom of priests, we are those who minister in one another's lives. We minister to people. A kingdom of priests also is uh, those who were about the teaching of the word of God. The priest did the teaching of the word of God. We, we... We are to be teaching the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying you have to teach Sunday school class or give sermons or, 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 or those kind of things. What I'm saying is your life should be teaching Scripture. Well, you know, In your home, you should be teaching Wherever you are, your life should be teaching it. And when you have an opportunity to, to use words, yeah, absolutely do that. But this is what it means to be a, a kingdom of priests. And priests prayed for community guidance. And so, and not just praying for for profit or for uh, health and welfare; those are great things, but for guidance, community guidance, not just for personal guidance, but for community guidance. And as a kingdom of priests, we are to be those who pray for community guidance. And so, our understanding and application of Revelation centers around the fact that Jesus is the subject and Jesus is Lord. And and one piece we want to we have to we have to be cognizant of is that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Verse 7 says, He comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see Him, and all the people groups of earth will mourn because of Him. One of the greatest promises of all Scripture, maybe the greatest promise, is that Jesus is coming again. And when He comes, it will be something far more majestic than when He was first born in Bethlehem. And notice that Jesus coming again will be universally recognized. All nations, literally every people group, will see him. Matthew twenty four thirty. Jesus says, "And then at last, the sign of the coming of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning." Okay, here, here's like a the phrase we just read in Revelation. There will be deep mourning. Among all the nations of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man arrive on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. There is nothing here about a secret rapture. There's nothing about a localized event. Everyone will see him, and all the people groups of the earth will mourn because of him. No now okay, why will they be mourning? Well, Jesus says in Matthew 7.22, On Judgment Day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. That will be a great morning, because unfortunately, Jesus is going to have to say to some, I never knew you. But what does this mean for us? What does this mean for the Christian? As followers of Christ, what do we do with this? i tell you what, it means we don't just sit and wait for Jesus to come back. If Jesus is the subject of our lives, and if Jesus is Lord, and if we are a kingdom of priests, this means we are to be faithful. Believing Jesus is coming again means we are to be faithful in the meantime. The hope Of Jesus coming again should strengthen our present experience of God's grace so that we can be faithful priests ambassadors agents of God in a troubled world that that he loves for which Christ died see God God loves this world it's broken and and we know that But, but he loves this world and Jesus died for this world and he wants us to be a kingdom of priests in this world so what's your next step Determine, determine what it looks like for you to be faithful today as a member of God's kingdom of priests. What, is it, what does it mean for you to be a part of the kingdom of priests? Take that step and, and ask that question. Seek it in prayer. Read the scripture. Journal about it. But make that determination. What does it look like for me to be faithful today as a member of God's kingdom of priests? Lord, we're going to get way deeper into this over the next few weeks. We just scratched the surface. But, Lord, help us in our understanding that this ancient letter, this ancient literature, the revelation, that we don't have to be scared of it. We don't have to be worried by it. We can, we can understand that this is, a, this is a letter, not a doomsday book, but a love letter. And it's written to encourage followers of Jesus who are in the midst of struggle. And, Lord, that's where we find ourselves. This is for us as much as it was for those 2,000 years ago. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be the kingdom of priests. You've already empowered us. You've already equipped us. Lord, help us to live in that reality and be a kingdom of priests. to, to, To bring others hope and encouragement through whatever struggles there may be. So we can become more like you, Jesus, every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.